song is 916. Good morning. If you would, uh, grab a Bible uh, there in front of you or open up your Bible uh, on your phone uh, and turn to Psalms, the 46th chapter. Psalms, the 46th chapter. We'll read uh, our text for this morning from Psalms, the 46th chapter. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations He hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I suppose that all of us go through times in our lives that we think that, you know, a lot is just getting thrown at us. Times where it feels like a lot's coming your way and over and over again and things just keep on happening and it feels like things sort of pile up on you. Like there's a lot going on and and you wonder, you know, is there ever going to be a time where things just sort of slow down and and, and something else doesn't happen and, and I can breathe a little bit. In some ways, it has felt like one of those times or seasons over the past few months in the McFadden house. Over the past few months, we've had one kid uh, break his arm. We had Angela whack her leg against a rock and, and need a trip to the emergency room. I've had more than one visit to a doctor's office myself for various things. Luke came in the church building this morning and his Chin was all cut up because he got, he got Dad's shaving razor this morning, apparently, and decided he needed to shave like Dad and did a number on his chin. We've had a round or two with quarantining and, and COVID in our house, and that's not to mention just life with school and work and church and all everything else that's going on. It just has seemed like one of those times where it's been one thing after another since around the beginning of the year. And what's been going on in our house probably shouldn't be compared and isn't as turbulent or troublesome as what's been happening for some of you. 
Some of us here are dealing with sickness and, and disease. Some of us are dealing with financial problems. Some of you are dealing with problems in your homes and, and marriages. Some of you are dealing with, with struggling with, with temptation and addiction and struggles and sin. Life is happening. And life can be hard sometimes. And I don't know about you, but I have, uh, I guess what I call a few standby verses or standby chapters, standby passages that I like to sit down and read when life starts getting hectic and I go through some of these times in my life. And this chapter that we read here this morning is one of those passages for me. Psalms, the 46th chapter. This passage paints this beautiful picture and reinforces this idea that God is the source of our strength. Even when the world around us seems to be crumbling, when things are happening all around us, God is on His throne. And He is our refuge. He is our hiding place. And no matter what is happening, God will be glorified and His purpose will be carried out. And towards the end of this passage, the writer reminds us of something that's very important that God is continually telling us. He says there in the 10th verse that we read, he said, Be still and know that I am God. God says, Be still and know that I am God. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. And something that I am constantly having to remind myself of. And this is a verse and an idea that I want for us to spend some time over the next couple of times that I speak, diving into and discussing. Like was mentioned this morning, this is actually going to be a a two-part sermon, with the second part being next Sunday. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the first part of this verse with a sermon entitled, Be Still. Being still can be hard sometimes. Just ask my two sons. John, ever since he was little, little bitty, ever since, maybe before he could walk, but certainly around the time he began to walk, he has loved to do what the best I can describe it is is bounce around. He is always on the go, always in, in motion. He you know he'll he'll run around the house. If he doesn't have anything to do, he'll he'll just run around the house and jump and bounce and move and pretend he's doing something and he, he will get up and he'll run around and and he'll just jump. He'll just bounce. He'll go in the backyard for hours. Angela could say, John, go in the backyard, go play. And he'll go in the backyard and he'll just bounce and run around and play. And Luke isn't too different. He's always on the go, always moving, always looking for something to do or something to get into. At the end of most church services, you know, I I get up and I go towards the back when we're we're singing the invitation song, and a lot of times I'll take Luke with me and I'll hold him in my arms and, and, and we'll do the announcements and we'll say the dismissal prayer. And as soon as amen is said in the dismissal prayer, it's like he's shot out of a cannon, he's gone because he knows that mean old dad isn't going to make him be still anymore. He's free. He can go play. And we look at children sometimes, I think, and and we look at at kids and we think, you know, doesn't that kid know how to be still? Can't he just be still for a little while? 
Why won't that little girl or that little boy just settle down and, and be still? But the fact of the matter is, from a spiritual perspective, often we are just like that child and we struggle to be still. We are constantly on the go, constantly moving, constantly trying to carry on with our lives, and that is especially true, I think, during those times that it seems like a lot is being thrown at us. And we're going through these these trials or these storms of life. We're like the disciples in Mark, the fourth chapter. If you look back at Mark, the fourth chapter, Jesus had, had begun to gain some notoriety in the area. Great crowds had begun to follow Jesus. And he, he decides that he wants to go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he and the disciples get on a boat. And, and late one night, this big storm rises up. And, and the winds are blowing. And the storm is, is beating on the ship. And, and, and the disciples don't know what to do. And they're struggling. And, and they look and they see Jesus over in the boat. And, and he's asleep. And they, they look at him and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? We're, we're going to die out here if you don't do something. Why are you sleeping? And Jesus turns and he rebukes the wind and the sea and he says, peace, be still. And the storm stops. And so often we are like the disciples. We're worried about what's happening to us, what's happening around us in the storms of life and and we're worried that they're going to bring us down and we let doubt, we let fear creep in. And we forget that Jesus is right there, calm and in control. We just have to have the faith to be still with Him sometimes. Just think about other things that we see in the Scripture. You know, we're we're told that we're made in God's image, right? We're told that we're made after the image of God. If you look back at at what God did in His work of creation, He he spends six days creating the the world, and on on the seventh day, what did He do? He rested. Even God took time to be still. And again, think about Jesus. He had this habit of taking time to be still. One of the ways that He did that was He had a habit when He would go into Jerusalem of getting away from the crowds and visiting an olive grove that was just outside the city. He would go there to rest and retreat from the hustle and the bustle of his ministry to get away from the crowds. He probably did this somewhat regularly when he was there. I think that's probably how Judas knew where to send the soldiers to arrest him. And at the end of his ministry and his life here on earth, what does he do? He knows what's going to happen the next day. He knows what's awaiting for him on the cross. So what does he do? He goes to Gethsemane. He goes to be still. So for the rest of our time here this morning, I want for us to look at four things that we need to do to be still. The first thing that we need to do to be still is that we need to turn off the world. We need to turn off the world. Earlier I mentioned how John likes to run around and play and bounce around, and this is especially true come about 8 or 9 p.m. at night. Last night, Brent and Brad were over at our house, 
and we were sitting outside enjoying the nice weather. And I looked inside the window, and it was about 9 o'clock, and, and John was inside, and he was running around, bouncing around the house. It was getting about bedtime, and he was running around, bouncing around, jumping up and down, playing with his cousins. He realizes, I think, that it's close to bedtime. Probably he realizes he's a little bit tired, and he knows that if he sits still for too long, something might happen that he doesn't want to happen, and that's fall asleep. He doesn't want to be still. He doesn't want to miss something. He doesn't want to fall asleep. So he'll run and he'll bounce around and he'll play. And we often, from a spiritual perspective, do the exact same thing. When it's time for us to be still with God, we bounce around from one thing to another. We refuse to be still with God and turn, and instead turn to the world and what we find there. And in order for us to be still with God, we must turn off the world. The problem, though, is that too many of us are more comfortable spending time with the things of this world than we are spending time with God. And the truth of the matter is is that we view the world more of a friend than we do God, sometimes. James 4 and verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 1 John 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The problem that we have is that many people love the world and the things that we find there more than they love God. And that is evidenced by where they spend their time. If you love something or someone, you know what you're going to do? You're going to spend time with them. If I'm going to devote my time and energy to, towards somebody, if I'm going to say that I love someone, I'm going to spend time with them. If I'm going to tell my sons that I love them, if I really do love them, I'm going to spend time with them. The same thing with my wife, the same thing with you as my church family. If you love something, you'll spend time with it. So let's think about our own lives and where do we spend our time and focus and our attention. Do we spend time being still with God? Or do we spend time checking Facebook to see how many people liked our posts? Or thumbing through Instagram for the 37th time today? Or going on Snapchat again? Or TikTok again? Or Twitter again? According to Forbes magazine in a recent survey by a company called YouSwitch, Americans spent an average of 58 minutes a day on Facebook, or 325 hours a year. Instagram, which is particularly popular among young young people, users spend about 53 minutes per day, or 297 hours per year. Snapchat, 
50 minutes per day. Still, that's around 277 hours a year. And you might be saying, well, that's not me. Oh, that's not me. Take a moment and think how, many, how often you're logging on to it. Five minutes here, five minutes there, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. The average Generation Z or young person spends an average of nine hours a day in front of some sort of screen on social media or YouTube or watching TV or whatever. Nine hours a day on their phones or in front of a screen, in front of a computer. What about the other things that consume our time and attention and keep us away from being still with God? Are we more concerned with whatever the latest political controversy that CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or Newsmax or the Internet is blowing out of proportion and making into a big deal? Are we more concerned and interested with that than we are with spending time with God? Maybe we're, so, we're more consumed with our careers or piling up money that we neglect our relationship with God. There are so many ways that we turn to the world rather than turn our attention to God. And the first thing that we need to do to be still is that we need to turn off the world at least for a little bit each day. I promise you, especially you young people, listen to me. I promise you it's not going to kill you if you don't see the latest post on Instagram. It's not going to kill you if you don't put your last picture that you took on vacation on Facebook. It's not going to kill you if you turn off the world just for a little bit. It'll do you some good, I promise And when we decide to turn off the world for a little bit, the second thing that I want for us to notice will begin to happen, and that is we will realize our dependence on God. When we're still, we will realize our dependence on God. I think that a lot of time we refuse to be still, spiritually speaking, especially us men, is because that we think that we can always solve the problem or fix the situation that we find ourselves in. We can do that on our own. After all, you know, I mean, we're men. That's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to fix things. We're supposed to be able to fix whatever situation we find ourselves in. The toilet in the bathroom needs to be fixed. I can go down to the hardware store and get the parts to fix it, right? I don't need to call anybody to fix that. That's easy. With that funny sound in the truck... I can fix that, and if I can't fix it, I'll call Jeff Cross, and he'll tell me how to fix it, and then I can fix it myself, right? The wife bought that new dresser from Ikea. I don't need instructions. I'm a man. Why do I need instructions on how to put that together, right? I can do that myself. I don't need to, I don't need to listen to anybody else or read the instructions on how to do that. But what about when it comes to more important things? What about when we're struggling with addiction, and sin, and temptation? Do we try and figure our own way out of that? Do we turn off the world and turn to God? What about when our family, our marriage, our home is struggling? Do we think that we can fix it? Or do we turn to God? 
turn to Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. I'll read a passage from there. Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, verses 5 through 9. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 9. says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not be seen, <clears throat> shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, in whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of the drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you trust God? That's an important question for all of us to really consider. And you might think that you do, but what about when things start to happen, like the writer in Psalms talked about this morning, when the world around us begins to shake and crumble and fall around? Often during those times, we begin to let doubt and fear creep in when we should trust in God. And instead of being still, We try to deal with these things ourselves. And so often we end up making a mess of things. Instead, we should be still and trust God and realize our dependence on Him. The next thing that we need to do to be still, once we've turned off the world, once we've realized our dependence on God, is that we need to talk to God. We need to diligently pray to our Father in heaven. We must be still. We must have a healthy habit of prayer in our personal and in our individual lives. Over and over again in the Scriptures, we are reminded of the importance and the necessity of prayer. Ephesians, the 6th chapter and the 18th verse says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Colossians 4, verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. And over and over again, in other places we can turn to, we're told to pray without ceasing. In most, if not all, of the letters Paul wrote to the various churches and the various people, He underlined the importance of prayer in our lives. Jesus constantly taught His disciples about the importance of prayer, but He also demonstrated this habit in His own life. We talked about how He retreated to Gethsemane. And He goes and He he spends time in prayer. It was a priority in Christ's life and in the lives of the early leaders of the church. But But is it a priority in our own lives? Do we take time to pray? Do we voice our thanksgiving, our praise? Do we let God know what we want and what we need from Him? 
Our relationship with God is the most important relationship in our lives. And honestly, it is time for many of us to begin treating it that way as the most important relationship in our lives. In any other relationship, we know that a vital aspect of our interaction with the other person is that we communicate. A marriage must have communication in it. If a husband and wife aren't communicating, all kinds of problems begin to crop up in that marriage. In a friendship, if we're not communicating with, a, with our friend, there's really, not a, there's really not a relationship there. So why do we think that it's any different in our relationship with God? How can we expect to have a healthy and growing relationship with God if we're not talking to Him? Prayer serves many purposes for us. We praise God through prayer. We thank Him for all that He's done for us. We ask ask for things that we desire from Him. But it also serves as a time for us to focus and be still. And it helps align our will with God. We bow down and we humble ourselves in front of Him. And when we do that, we begin to grow spiritually. So I challenge all of us here this morning, make daily fervent prayer part of your life. Don't let the only time that you and your family pray is when you sit down at the dinner table. Don't let the only prayers that you say throughout the week is when you're gathered here together with this body of people. Pray with your family. Teach your children how to pray. Make prayer a priority in your life. And you'll be amazed at how much it helps you grow as a Christian. The fourth thing that I want for us to notice this morning is that we need to be still We need to turn off the world. We need to realize our dependence on God. We need to talk to God. And then we need to let God talk to us. We need to study the Word of God. It is essential that we spend time dwelling on the lessons and the commandments that we find in the Bible. And it's imperative that we spend time reading and thinking about what God wants us to do in our lives. We can never hope to grow. We can never hope to mature as Christians unless we're constantly pursuing the study of the Word of God. We can never hope to navigate the storms of this life. Never deal with the things that the writer in Psalms talks about and the issues that we face in life if we don't turn to God and His Word. 1 Peter, the second chapter in the the second verse says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. Our physical bodies need, need physical nourishment, and our spiritual bodies are no different. We must have spiritual nourishment for us to have a spiritual life and relationship with God. And the only source of spiritual nourishment that we find is the Word of God. And we talked a little bit earlier about how much time we spend on doing certain things. How much time do you spend reading your Bible? How much time do you spend thinking about and studying the Word of God? 
do you spend any significant time outside the worship service in your Bible? Add up in your head this week. Think back over the last seven days since we were gathered together last Sunday morning. How much time did you spend with your Bible open? And now, think back again over the course of this past week and think about how much time you spent doing some of the things that we talked about earlier. How much time did you spend on Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook? How much time did you spend on the Internet looking up articles or reading about things that don't have anything to do with the kingdom of God? How much time did you spend watching TV? How much time did you spend watching cable news? How much time did you spend doing all of these things that in no way are anywhere close to as important as your spiritual well-being and your relationship with God. And when you add up those two things and how much time you spent in those two categories, do the two even compare? How can we expect to grow and to mature as Christians? How can we expect to have a healthy relationship with God unless we are learning and growing and reading and devoting time to learning about what God wants us to do. How can our relationship with God grow unless we spend time communicating with Him, like I said? In John, the 14th chapter and the 15th verse, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How can we expect to know what those commandments are unless we are spending time studying those commandments and studying the Word of God? Our study of the Word of God is too often treated like a chore. We treat it like overtime that we have to put in at work. We, we treat studying the Word of God like it's this extra assignment that the teacher has given us. Instead, we should have the attitude of the writer in Psalms. Psalms, the first chapter, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. We must have a similar love for the Word of God and a similar desire to search out the truths that are found in it. First Timothy, the fourth chapter, verses 12 through 16, says, Be thou an example to the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear me. 2 Timothy, the second chapter in the 15th verse, says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Today I want to challenge you to do two things. First, make daily Bible study a priority in your life. 
Carve yourself out some time every day and spend it reading the Word of God. And that needs to be everybody, not just the men here, not just the women. You kids, spend time studying the Bible, reading the Bible. Spend time reading what God wants you to do. Remember what, what was said about the Christians in Berea in Acts 17. We're told that they were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they studied the Scriptures daily. Give God's Word some of your time every day. Set yourself a goal. 30 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Start somewhere, but make it a priority in your life. Don't let yourself slip into the habit of not doing it. Second, spend time studying the Bible with the people around you. Talk about, discuss the Bible with your family. Read and study the Bible with your spouse. Talk about it with your friends. Seek out people to discuss the Bible with. Set up a Bible study with your friends. If you need some, some, somebody to study the Bible with, talk to one of us elders or deacons. We would love to spend time studying the Bible with you. Okay, Please, make it a priority in your life. In order to grow as Christians, we must make the study of the Word of God a priority in our lives. We must spend time in our Bibles. Otherwise, there's no way for us to know what direction God would want us to go. So this morning, we've talked about being still. In order to be still, we need to turn off the world. We need to realize our dependence on God, and then we need to communicate with God. We need to communicate with Him by talking to Him and letting Him talk to us through His Word. Perhaps you have struggled with that and you struggle being still. And this morning you've realized some of the issues and troubles that you're having in life, and you're going through some of those times in your life that the writer in Psalms talked about, and it feels like the world is crashing around you, and you need the prayers of the church. We would love to do that and pray with you and for you this morning. Perhaps you've never submitted your life to God. You've never bowed down before Him, allowed your faith to move you to repent of your sins and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and submitted to Him in baptism, we'd be happy to do that with you and for you this morning. If there's anything we can do for you, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.